blue wire. Touchdown pass, 5-4-0 in the 5-0-4. Jackson takes it himself, look at him dart back and forth. Oh, he broke his ankles, he is Houdini. Watson stays on his feet, throws on the run, touchdown. Watson, a magician. Mahomes winds it up, wide open as Hill. How quick was that? Welcome to another episode of the My Sports Update Football Podcast. I am your host, Ari Merov, and we have made it. Free agency is in under one week, and we have a special guest on this week's episode to talk about it all. Field Yates of ESPN will join me, and we discussed a bunch of topics during our 30-minute conversation, including the quarterback carousel, which of course has Tom Brady, the wide receiver market, how the CBA has had an effect on things up until now, some logical destinations for some of the big name free agents, and much, much more. Before we go to field, a word from our sponsor, betonline.ag. March has arrived and we are only weeks away from the big tournament. Make sure to head to betonline.ag and open an account today to get in on their $100,000 Bracket Madness Contest which starts on March 15th. And remember, the NBA and the XFL are still going strong so whatever your passion is, BetOnline is the place to be for all your betting needs. Visit our good friends and exclusive partner, Bet Online, to take advantage of the best bonuses in the business. Sign up for a free account and make sure to use the promo code BLUEWIRE, all in one word, for your 50% sign up bonus. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. And now, here is my 30 minute discussion with Field Yates. Joining me now on the My Sports Update Football Podcast, you see him all over ESPN on NFL Live, SportsCenter. He's also the co-host of the Fantasy Football Focus Podcast, one of the best follows on Twitter. It is Field Yates. Field, how are you? I'm doing well. I appreciate you having me on and looking forward to talking shop. As we are recording this, we are one week and 25 minutes away from NFL free agency beginning. So suffice it to say, there's a ton going on in the football world. Yeah, exactly. It's going to be really, really exciting. It's going to be really, really busy. So let's dive right into it. And there is really no other place to start from besides Tom Brady. It is the biggest story this offseason. The rumors are all over the place. Your colleague, Jeff Darlington, has been going viral for what he's had to say about Brady. I consider you to be one of the most plugged-in guys in the NFL, and especially with the Patriots. So unload it all for me. What is the latest on Brady? Um, I don't know that I can say definitively where I feel this is going to end up. As a matter of fact, I know that I can't say that. I think that Tom Brady, as of our conversation right now, has still not made up his mind. And a return to New England is certainly on the table, but we know that life beyond New England could exist for Tom Brady. So rather than me sort of doing my best to just speculate, I'm just going to keep it down to the facts here, which I think can at least guide us a little bit. Tom Brady last uh, August agreed to a new deal with the Patriots. 
Uh, it was an amended deal for the final season of his contract. You know, oftentimes during the Patriots and Tom Brady's relationship, the one-year-out mark has been a natural time for them to talk shop with Tom Brady uh, on an extension or any sort of contract adjustment. So in this case, uh, the amended deal that Tom Brady uh, desired and agreed to was for the 2019 season, and he specifically requested to have a no-tag provision. Well, you know what that means is that if you have a no-tag provision, if you want to test free agency, you can test free agency. So here we are, um, just again, maybe even more hours than we are days away from free agency. And Tom Brady has the opportunity, if he still desires, to go out and test the market and see what other teams might be interested in him. Now, despite the fact that the legal tampering period does not open up until Monday, we know that many teams have made their intentions clear. I have followed the reporting of many, many, many great reporters, and we know some of the parties that are at least on the radar in Brady's world. And, and maybe this, this should be categorized more as they seem to be interested in him because we don't know definitively what his plans are, but they include the Titans to a degree, the Chargers, the Buccaneers, the uh, Raiders. Um, those are the teams that seem to have been floated most frequently with Tom Brady. And as we are sitting here speaking right now, the Buccaneers seem to be a team that's come further into focus and a team that might be staring at a quarterback shift no matter what, given that Jameis Winston is now scheduled to be a free agent after his five seasons of his rookie deal. Right, and there was actually a report a few hours ago about the Bucks going all-in on Tom Brady. That is something that I've seen more and more of as of late, and it's starting to heat up. Let me ask you, have the Patriots and Brady had any real talks about a new contract? Is there an offer out there? And is this a Belichick-Brady thing only? Or will Robert Kraft step in if he feels like he needs to? Well, uh, so again, I'll stick with what I know here, which is uh, that, you know, last year when the Patriots and Tom Brady were discussing what ended up being an amended contract, the team did make offers to Brady uh, about a potential extension, whether it's a one-year deal or, you know, a multi-year deal, et cetera. Um, so I think the Patriots have made it clear to Tom Brady that they would like for him to be their quarterback going forward. And I think Tom has at no point has Tom Brady ruled out a return to New England. So I think where we're at is there needs to be communication about what it's going to take for Tom Brady to stay in New England, because what he wanted was to become a free agent. Well, now he has that chance. And if we're talking about, you know, how do the Patriots prevent Tom Brady from reaching the open market, which is now just days away, well, it may be you know, them getting the understanding from Brady of what it's going to take. Is that a money situation? Is it about the weapons around him? Um, what is it that Tom Brady would like most that would make him feel confident in coming back to New England? And um, when the Patriots and Tom Brady, and I think, and again, I don't know this, you know, with 100% certainty, but I get the sense that this is a Tom Brady and Bill Belichick um, discussion. You know, Bill Belichick has always had the ability to run the football organization as he sees fit. Owner Robert Kraft has largely stepped away 
from football decisions or as I guess always been out of the way during football decisions. So I think what it comes down to is the Patriots need to have, all right, let's just say Bill Belichick and Tom Brady um, need to have one final conversation and it needs to be, it needs, needs to be laid out. Hey, Tom, if you want to be here, tell us what you need. And if you don't want to be here, um, you know, let us know. You have this right. You have the right to be a free agent and pursue a different spot if you'd like. But if you want to stay here, what do you need? And then the Patriots can figure out if they can make that work. Right. And this is all hypothetical, obviously. But let's just say he does leave New England. What would be a backup plan there? Because we really haven't heard much about that. Yeah, I don't have a great feel for it, again, because I'm sort of sticking for now with right. the facts of what I know, But um, which is that, you know, for at least a few more days, Tom Brady's under contract, and the possibility of him returning is on the table. Um, this is a – and some of this is not an original I'm, – I'm not original in necessarily pointing these things out, but um, this is one of those years, one of the very, very rare years, where there are fewer – quarterback openings than there are quarterbacks available so in this case the supply actually outweighs the demand uh beyond so the reason i mentioned that is there are going to be quarterbacks that are going to be unhappy with what deal they land in my opinion because um not everybody's going to be able to get a 30 million dollar per year contract or even a 25 million dollar per year contract but um until Tom Brady makes his decision, reality is not suspended, but in some ways it's difficult to envision every team knowing exactly what it wants to do next because, and I drew this parallel to Kawhi Leonard and his free agency last year in the NBA, is that you want to hold out hope for the possibility of Tom Brady. And if you get Tom Brady, that may change your direction because Tom is probably a one to two year proposition, whereas if you're a team that's saying we want to pursue Ryan Tannehill, I believe he's 32 years old, all right, you've got 32 versus 43. One of those players could be a seven- or ten-year plan. One of them is a one- or two-year plan. So I really believe that for the Patriots, for the rest of the league, for Tom himself, um, his decision will have league-wide ripple effects. Right, and the quarterback carousel this year is going to be crazy, and there are more players than there are seats, as you said. And unlike other years, the carousel will be spinning, and it's going to be spinning really, really quickly and fast. Another quarterback that is available is Ryan Tannehill, as you just mentioned, and we have heard a lot of reports about the Titans being interested in Brady. How do the Titans handle all of this now with the franchise tag window of Tannehill do they let him hit the open market? Isn't that more like a risky move to do? Um, it, 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 there is some risk involved here. And let's go back to early December. Uh, Diana Rossini, one of my colleagues at ESPN, who does a great job, reported on December 8th that the Titans were discussing a contract extension for Ryan Tannehill. So the fact uh, – this was, you know, discussing it internally um, – and at the time, she mentioned not a franchise tag, but a new deal. Now, obviously, we're at a different point where the franchise tag could come into play. So uh, her reporting was accurate. It's just at the time when you're discussing the possibility of, of, of a long-term deal, uh, you know, the franchise tag window is still so far away that you're not quite as worried about that. 
but the Titans have been talking about this, right? And it's not like the Titans just found out 10 days ago that Tom Brady was going to become a free agent, right? So their laying of the plans to potentially extend Ryan Tannehill all the way back in December coincided with their knowledge that Tom Brady was going to become a free agent. So um, the risk they run in not franchising him is that Ryan Tannehill could become a free agent and could sign with a different team. The question I think Tennessee is probably balancing is, hey, are we positive that if he hits the open market, he's going to get a decidedly more competitive offer than what we have discussed with him, which we think is probably fair. And we think Ryan probably likes to be here. So I'm not saying the Titans are out of the Tom Brady sweepstakes, but when we hear that the team is talking about or focused in on Ryan Tannehill, we shouldn't consider this some sort of you know, negotiating ploy. I think we should legitimately believe they do value Ryan in that way. Exactly. So what Tennessee does with Ryan Tannehill will be fascinating. There are so many moving parts in this. We have to also mention Derrick Henry. Will they tag him? Will they let him hit the market? What exactly will they do? Will they pursue Tom Brady or not? So a lot of questions in Tennessee. Now, the quarterback market has a bunch of names, but two other names that are available is Teddy Bridgewater and Phillip Rivers. And the rumors lately and the reports lately for both those guys have been really interesting. One is Phillip Rivers to the Colts, and that makes sense to me. But the one that doesn't make sense, and we've been hearing a lot of it as of late, is Teddy Bridgewater to the Buccaneers with Bruce Arians. And that is interesting to say the least. How do you see this unfolding? And do you buy into the Tampa and Indianapolis rumors? So let's start with the Indy one with Phillip Rivers because I think it's simple. It makes a lot of sense. He's got familiarity there. And Frank Reich, the head coach, and Nick Sirianni, the offensive coordinator. So it's an obvious one that you can just sort of put two and two together. The Colts have plenty of cap space. I'm of the mind that you either have a quarterback that's above the line or below the line and that Jacoby Brissett is not above the line. Phillip Rivers in the right circumstances can be above the line. So that one's simple. Tampa Bay and Teddy Bridgewater is interesting because, as you mentioned earlier, there's the possibility that Tampa Bay pursues Tom Brady. But, you know, when teams make head coaching changes, what we often see is that – Let's say you have an offensive-minded head coach that you fire. A lot of teams say, we want to go the opposite route. Rather than having a fiery offensive coach, you want a more reserved defensive coach. Right? You go to the opposite end of the spectrum. When you're coming off of a season in which your quarterback threw 30 interceptions and has been the most turnover-prone player since he entered the NFL five years ago, which is, of course, Jameis Winston, you might say to yourself, hey, Teddy Bridgewater is careful, maybe to a fault, but careful with the football. If we could swing the pendulum all the way to that side, we might have more chances of winning games because defensively they made a lot of strides last year. So I understand the Tampa interest in Teddy Bridgewater. I don't know that I would be the person that breaks the bank on Teddy Bridgewater. Um, I think it's interesting to note that while he did start five games this past year, a year ago, Teddy was also a free agent, and he got a, a one-year, seven-point, I believe, two $5 million deal. So to me, it's sort of interesting that he could, a year later, 
with five starts in which I thought he was fine. I'm not saying he was bad, but I didn't think he was, you know, I didn't think he, he, he necessarily was, uh, you know, game changing. Right. I thought he was solid. That all of a sudden his price tag, like if someone's saying they want to pay him 25 to $30 million per year, I don't know that his value, at least in my opinion, tripled or even quadrupled. Yeah, and we also haven't heard much about how much Jameis Winston is asking for, how much he wants to get paid in his next contract. So that is another part in this with Tampa Bay. Now, I want to shift over to the CBA. And as we speak right now, Field, players around the league are discussing, they're reviewing, and they are casting their votes for the proposed CBA that is on the table. Now, so far this offseason, it hasn't really been as busy as usual when it comes to roster moves. Explain to everyone what has been the holdup up until now and explain to everyone just how busy and how chaotic and how insane next week is going to be in the NFL. Yeah, well, it's always insane because it's the start of free agency and then you factor in the quarterbacks available and the Tom Brady factor. So it's going to be nuts. Turn on your Adam Schefter notifications and let it rip. Turn on your My Sports Updates notifications and just be ready to roll. Um, <laughs> but what I would say is uh, the CBA specifically. So the NFL uh, and the Players Association, so the owners and the PA, ramped up negotiations on a couple of occasions during or towards the end of the 2019 season. And then things heated up more and more and more because – you know, as we know, the closer we get to the expiration of a CBA, the more nervous people get about the possibility of a work stoppage. So after, um, I think what's fair to say, a tenuous negotiation back and forth, the uh, proposed agreement has been um, sent to all players. Now, here's the trick, is that it's a 400-page document, and it's not that you need to necessarily have every single word totally fully completely articulated to you um there's obviously some points in there that you're either already aware of or um you have reviewed or you have the nitty-gritty explained to you but you have to take a careful look at this like you can't be totally you know you have you can't be totally carefree um and you also have to get this document to players and you want to give these players time to examine the documents and then as a result of that vote on it and and that might require thoughtful conversations with people they trust whether it's their union reps whether it is their uh you know legal counseling whether it's their family their wife whoever it is um so the delay has been or the vote has been pushed back to saturday night and i think knowing that um you know the the nfl's league year is scheduled to begin on wednesday Given that the vote is now open until midnight on Saturday, so 11.59 on Saturday, and if it goes through, which I think it will, and I'm, I, I, like last week I was confident it would, now I think it will, and I feel like you know, slightly less confident but still believe it will happen, then Sunday is going to be a busy day. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday are going to be absolute mayhem. Yeah, absolutely. It is going to be crazy and we are all looking forward to it. So just to review the schedule that we have coming up, Saturday, 11.59 p.m. Eastern is the deadline for players to vote on the proposed CBA. Then Monday, 11.59 a.m. is the deadline for teams to use the franchise and or transition tag. If the CBA passes, 
then teams can only use one of the tags. If the CBA does not pass, then teams can use both of them. And then the very next minute, noon Eastern, is when the legal tampering period begins. That is when Twitter is going bonkers with information and news coming down literally all day long from there. And then Wednesday, 4 Eastern, is when free agency officially begins, when all the deals that were reported on Monday and Tuesday become official, all the trades become official. So it is going to be a very, very wild next few days coming up now i want to go back to free agency for a second and the combine was a few weeks ago and we all got to see how insanely deep this wide receiver draft class is now the wide receiver free agent class is not as deep the big name is Amari Cooper. We are not sure if he even makes it to the open market. AJ Green is the next big name. He is going to get franchise tagged. So that leaves us with guys like Robbie Anderson and Emmanuel Sanders and Randall Cobb, Nelson Aguilar, Demarcus Robinson. Do you think the wide receiver draft class will affect the wide receiver market in free agency? Not at the very, very top, specifically Amari Cooper, because first of all, it just takes one. Second of all, I look back to last year as sort of an educating process, right? So we all knew going into the 2019 NFL draft that it was a very deep pass rushing class, right? I mean, it started with Nick Bosa, but guys like Josh Allen and so many others that made an immediate impact or we thought would make an immediate impact. So. We still saw guys that were regarded as good players, but not like super superstars, right? How many people were calling Zadarius Smith a super superstar at this time last year? Or Trey Flowers a super superstar at this time last year? Well, they went on to sign a four-year, $66.5 million did Trey Smith, uh, Zadarius Smith, and then Trey Flowers signed five years. 90 million bucks so or excuse me 80 million bucks one of the two 90 or 80 a lot of money yeah 90 shouldn't have questioned myself so yes (laughs) um so i do think that the very top of the market which amari cooper i feel really strongly about i do believe that uh, we'll have a um i think amari cooper will be solid i think robbie anderson will be solid uh but i think uh, put it this way amari cooper will cash in major money I think Robbie Anderson has a chance to make really really solid money and I think guys that you mentioned I think Emmanuel Sanders will make good money and then I think from there to me it's a drop off do you think Cooper becomes the highest paid in the NFL I don't because the Julio Jones deal last year was so impressive for Julio right just as a player I mean to look at the contract he signed I think three years 66 million dollars right um Remember a couple of years ago when, or I guess it was just last year, but when C.J. Mosley signed that absolute monster extension with, or new deal, I should say, with the Jets, and you're like, wow, the top of the market was like 12 and a half million bucks for linebackers. Next thing you know, he's making 17 and a half million dollars per year, 17 million per year. That was kind of an outlier, right? Uh, now, Bobby Wagner caught up to him, and Wagner is an absolute stud. I just don't know that Julio Jones will receive a – I'm sorry, I don't think any wide receiver will beat his $22 million per year average uh, that Julio Jones has on that new three-year deal. Right. And for the most part, Field, we know who's likely going to get franchise tagged. 
it won't be Cooper for Dallas. Likely it will be Dak. But there are a bunch of other guys. Now, there are three players who we know are not going to get tagged. And I'm going to be following what happens with them very closely. It is Austin Hooper, Jadavian Clowney, and Melvin Gordon. Now, let's be clear. You're not reporting anything. So, no, no one's going to put out something that you're saying that you're reporting it. But give me a logical destination for those players, teams that you think they make perfect sense for. Yeah, so this is, we'll use the caveat that our friend Brian Winters does on the Hoop Collective. Aggregators, stand down. I'm not exactly. saying this is, uh, this is what's going to happen. I am saying that um, this is what would make sense if I were a GM for a team. So let's begin with Austin Hooper. I've been saying this since the fall. I think Austin Hooper has a chance to be the highest paid tight end in NFL history. Now that'll change once I, th- that could change if George Kittle gets a new deal done with the 49ers. He's now extension eligible, but the market three years, 30 million. Jimmy Graham is the best tight end contract in terms of average annual value. Jimmy Graham got that at like the age of 29 or 30. Austin Hooper is 25 fresh off of another productive year in Atlanta. Came back from the knee injury, continued to play well reliable player in the middle of the field guy that's become a more functional blocker excellent character again just 25 prime of his career he's going to get a lot of money rob domofsky my colleague at espn has reported the packers would be sensible i can totally see that uh they might make a run in him can totally see that the bears have had some struggles with tight end investments i can totally see that one as well the Redskins make some sense. I know my own, uh, no, Vaughn McClure, my colleague, has mentioned the Redskins could be in on there. You got to find some players around Dwayne Haskins or a quarterback if they take one to pick two, but I think it's Dwayne Haskins. Um, the Patriots would make sense. I don't know, uh, you know, whether their plans would change if Tom Brady opts to go elsewhere, but no team. I think the Patriots were tied with, I have to check the team, but I know the Patriots, maybe it was the Broncos last year. No, it wasn't the Broncos. The Patriots and another team that I'm struggling to remember at this moment got about as little out of the tight end spot as you possibly could last season. So Austin Hooper would fit nicely in the middle uh, for the Patriots as well. Right. And what about Melvin Gordon? We know Eckler just got a new deal with the Chargers. That likely means he won't be back there. Is there a team that you think he fits with? I'm having a hard time with this one. And the reason is... Yeah, why are you making a major investment in a player that is at the most replaceable position in football? And I don't mean that as a slight towards, um, you know, towards towards running backs. It's just that, you know, it's one thing to extend Austin Eckler, who played all over the field for them last year, caught 92 passes, things like that, right? Um, I think Melvin Gordon could be entering one-year prove-it territory with uh, his contract this upcoming year, which is a far cry from where uh, I believe the Chargers offered $10 million per season mm-hmm. uh, earlier on in the year. Um, I think that might have been actually before the season began. Um, yeah. yeah. I think there might be, and this is, I have, again, no reporting here, but you know the Chiefs have shown a willingness to attack that running back spot with veterans, LaShawn McCoy, you know, Damian Williams, and they've gotten a lot out of some guys there. Damian Williams was spectacular in the Super Bowl. But if I'm the Chiefs, you know, if you could do an incentive-laden deal to maybe convince Melvin Gordon, think about this. Like, 
Melvin Gordon's value could really catapult if he has a good year with Kansas City. Meanwhile, the Chiefs, like, they can make a habit out of this. Like, just sort of, you know, you can, rather than spending big on running backs, you can allocate assets elsewhere where uh, the positions might be more difficult to replace once you move on from a player. Right, and Gordon is just 26 years old, so we'll see what happens with him. And then the last one, Jadavian Clowney, he yeah. looks like a bit of a smart man after, you know, that trade, putting the clause of no tag. Now he is essentially the top pass rusher available. What team do you think is a perfect fit for him? Uh, there are a lot of them. I really do yeah. believe that. I think he's in a really, really good spot here. Uh, I think – so uh, I know Dave Gettleman, the Giants general manager, said during the combine he thought basically every guy uh, that plays, you know, that rushes the passer is going to get tagged except for Clowney. And, you know, it makes sense there, right? I mean, they're one of the most desperate teams for pass rush this offseason. I think the Jets are a team that's desperate for pass rush this offseason. But I don't know that – I think the Jets are going to be more aggressive on the offensive side of the ball, specifically the offensive line in free agency but the Giants make sense to me the Seahawks make sense to me to retain Jadevian Clowney I could certainly see him making a lot of sense for a team if like for example Arizona wanted the splashy play to go opposite of Chandler Jones and whether there's some allure there now that we've seen such great uh, promise out of Kyler Murray so um, I'd probably be easier for me to list teams that don't don't make sense for um, Jadevian Clowney than it would be for teams that do make sense. So um, I really think there's a chance that this could be an unbelievable, unbelievable market for Jadevian Clowney. Right. He's going to get paid big time. And you mentioned Arizona. And this next question that I have, my answer would be Arizona, but I want to hear you. Last year, you came out and said how much you love what the Bills are doing and how they're constructing their roster. The front office and coaching staff have a vision. They draft well. They made all the necessary moves in free agency. And as, and as a result, we all saw them win 10 games, make the playoffs. They actually came close to winning a playoff game. We obviously need to see what happens in the draft, in free agency, but is there a team right now in the NFL that makes you go, I like what they're doing, I like the direction they're moving in, and they might make some noise if they push the right buttons this offseason? Well, I, you know, I felt, as you, you mentioned how I felt strongly about the Bills last year, and it was, hey, you know, it's, mm -hmm. it's because you really feel it, right? Like, it wasn't like someone said, hey, who's your team? It's on the rise this year. Like, who is somebody that you just feel strongly about, right? And I don't know that I have a team that sort of checks the same boxes that the Bills did last year, but I will say this, the down year for the Colts this past off season, or this past season, I should say. The Colts, though, that's a team that makes sense to me as one that could be on the rise. Uh, they are a team that is um, certainly well run. They know how to draft. They're well coached. The biggest issue for them is, I mean, think about what Chris Ballard has had to deal with in terms of the past three off seasons and looking at the quarterback spot, right? So first year, I don't want to say it's a throwaway year, but in the first year, right? Like, isn't it just more difficult your first year on the job to go in and make a bunch of wholesale changes when patients can work out and you still think Andrew Luck is the, you know, is, is the, the guy that you can trust going forward. Okay, good. Second year. So last year, 
I know there's uncertainty surrounding Andrew Luck in terms of when he would return for last season, but still, that was the time. I mean, that was like, um, like you know, that was the plan. Andrew Luck was the plan, right? I mean, we all knew that um, until he retired on I think it was August 17th. This year, they have a chance because I think they now know they have a um, you know they they have a quarterback need. They have to upgrade there, so I think. Um, to me, the Colts could be a team that's so well run in terms of the cap, in terms of draft capital, in terms of being smart with free agency, that I am in on uh, the Colts as a riser this year, a team that's done a lot of the right things to make the necessary moves to take a step forward. Now, they play in a competitive division that's got Deshaun Watson. It may have, you know, Ryan Tannehill or Tom Brady and uh, you know, potentially a really strong Tennessee team again. That being said, um, I do think the Colts have a chance to make a move. Yeah, and about the Colts, I mean, you look at this team, the offensive line for the most part is set. The defense is pretty good, led by Darius Leonard. It has some holes, which they can fix up this offseason. The wide receivers with T.Y. Hilton leading the way. Marlon Mack is a great running back. So they have the pieces there. The question really is what they do with the quarterback position. Jacoby Brissett is not bad. I just don't know if he is the guy who can take them over the hump and get them to the playoffs and to the promised land. So we'll see what the Colts do at the quarterback position, we talked about Phillip Rivers before. They will have options in free agency and in the draft. Now, before I let you go, Field, and I really appreciate you, appreciate you taking the time here today, I don't really go all in on the draft until after all the free agency madness. But as you look at this quarterback draft class with Burrow and Tua and Herbert and Love and on and on, how does it compare to last year with Kyler and Daniel Jones and Dwayne Haskins? Yeah, I think that this year's class stacks up favorably. And the reason why I say that is although we had a we, although it became clear relatively early on in the process that Kyler Murray was a leading candidate to go number 1 overall, I don't know that there were people, I don't know there was consensus that like if 32 teams had the uh, first overall pick in the draft that they would have gone um, with Kyler Murray. And I'm not saying that happens every year, but I do believe that most teams, given the health question marks for Tua Tungo Bailoa, would wind up going with Joe Burrow if they had the number one pick in this draft with a quarterback need. And then, um, you know, I don't necessarily always measure a class by the number of first round picks you have. I mean, Josh Rosen was a first round pick two years ago, and now we'll see whether he even starts next season I know that's more circumstance uh, than just Josh himself but the point I make is that like it's not what you do or it's not how you get in the league it's it's what you do once you have your chance so I think personally that um, we are headed towards four quarterbacks being drafted in the first round but beyond that I think we have definitely one guy ready to start right away in Joe Burrow we have potentially two others that um, could start right away in Justin Herbert, who I think is pretty pro-ready, and then also Tua if he's healthy. But that's a major, major if. And then Jordan Love just sounds like the wild card in so many ways. And it feels like the court – like, you know, Jordan Love from Utah State might be well-served to sit. Now, we know this never happens, right? It's so rare for a quarterback to actually sit amongst rookies who were drafted in the first round, right? That patience is just hard to come by 
for a full season. But that being said, it sounds like Jordan Love might benefit from that kind of opportunity to learn and study and and see the game, uh, albeit from the sidelines, but see a different game than he was accustomed to seeing. So, yes, uh, I do. there's going to be four quarterbacks in the first round. Yes, I do think it's a favorable class compared to last year. Maybe even, I would say, slightly stronger. Um, but there's still a lot of moving parts. And who knows if we'll have another quarterback sneak into the back of the first round. I mean, Jalen Hurts, uh, as we talk, has had one of the best pre-draft processes thus far. Uh, amongst all players, not just amongst quarterbacks. Yeah, absolutely. And to be frank about the whole thing, I mean, who exactly knows what will happen to all these prospects until we know what happens to all these free agent quarterbacks, the trade market with Andy Dalton, maybe Cam Newton, possibly Jacoby Brissett. It is all going to start unfolding next week. Field, I appreciate the time today. Keep up the great work. We will all be following closely. It is going to be a really, really busy next few weeks. Thanks for coming on. We will chat soon. I appreciate it very much. We'll talk soon. Good luck with everything in free agency. Let's stay in touch. A big thank you to Field Yates for joining me on this week's episode. Great stuff there. Great insight. Make sure you're following him on Twitter. It is at Field Yates, exactly how it sounds. And make sure you catch him on ESPN during the week. That wraps up this week's My Sports Update football podcast. And I cannot stress this enough with free agency coming up next week and with all the craziness about to start. I know you're following me on Twitter at My Sports Update, but if you do not have notifications on for the account, it is important that you turn it on, especially for this week. It is the busiest time of the year where so much is going to happen and My Sports Update, the Twitter page, will be covering it all. So make sure to turn on notifications so you don't miss anything notable that happens in the National Football League, whether it's Tom Brady, there will be some trades, there will be a lot of signings, there will be some cuts, there will be a lot going on, simply put. So make sure, again, you turn on notifications. Before I sign off, one final reminder that you can find the My Sports Update football podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you listen to your podcast. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe. All of it is greatly appreciated. I am your host, Ari Marov. I will be back with another episode next week when all the craziness will go down. We will have a lot to talk about next week. I look forward to that. So until then, so long.